listening to Clouser on Business. Thanks for coming back. I'm Clouser, your host. Glad you're with us today. One of the more easier things to do in life is to start or establish a business. But one of the most difficult challenges is to sustain the business, grow the business, and to keep, ba- keep in balance the time invested so as not to take away from personal and family time to make, make it successful. Well, my guest today is here to discuss these very topics. Author of the book, It's Not Hard, It's Business, which includes 10 Keys to Revenue Growth, is Gary Furr of Gary Furr Consulting, located in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to the podcast, Gary, and please tell our audience about yourself and give us some history on how you arrived to helping business owners and management with their businesses. Thanks for having me, Clouser. It's great to be here with you. I have 40 years of C-level business experience. My most recent was as operations officer for a $40 million company with seven locations. During my stay there, I went back to school and got my MBA in organizational development. And as operations officer, I was responsible for all the aspects of the business, finance, marketing, sales, IT, production management, and HR. But while I was working there, I was traveling a lot, and I was coming back from Russia in August of 2012, and it took me 29 hours to get home. I'd been there for eight days, and on that flight home, I decided I needed to do something else. That true wealth wasn't money, it was available free time, and I was spending a lot of time working 50, 60 work out. 50, 60 hours a week. So I, I was kind of burnt out. I decided it was time to do something different. That was in August of 12, 2012. And in November of 2012, I left that company to start my own business so that I could take my business experience in my MBA in organizational development and I could help other businesses that may be struggling or wanted to grow. I could apply that to them and help them to be better at what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, just for audience sake uh, you know we're friends and uh, we're fellow uh, consultants up here in Portland and so I know in your early career uh, some of your job duties required you uh, you know to get a pilot's license can you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about that (laughs) yes I can I flew an airplane for 22 years as part of my uh, career Uh, we had seven locations as I mentioned earlier and in order to save time to get from those one location to another it was easier just to fly So we had three company airplanes and I flew two of them. I could actually literally walk outside my office and walk to the hangar and get in the airplane and take off and fly to another location. It saved a lot of time. No stop lights to no stop signs. It's just really quick. Mm -hmm. And uh, any any scary moments or uh, timid (laughs) or or, uh, situations you got yourself into with that? Well, I can tell you I became a fair weather pilot. (laughs) (laughs) I had two instances in the Columbia Gorge. I used to fly up the gorge to a location we had in Eastern Oregon. And a couple of times I got caught by the weather coming back. And think, you know, when you're fly, when you go somewhere and you fly, you always have this urgency to get home. And so sometimes you do things you probably shouldn't do. And that, that was a day I shouldn't have done that. And so I had to turn around and, and fly back up the gorge. And I ended up landing at Cascade Locks. There's a tiny little airport at Cascade Locks. And I had two passengers with me, so it was kind of scary. And we just skimmed the treetops. Uh, coming in under the clouds and just over the treetops to land at that airport. Wow. And I said, okay, no more no more flying in bad weather. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm only going to fly when the sun shines. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you now you're uh, also an author of some books, uh, and one which we're going to be uh, referring to today. Uh, how did you, uh, what inspired you to, to write the books you've written? 
a very aggressive uh, mentor. <laughs> Actually, I'd written the first book already that it's not hard, it's business. And it was just sitting there on the shelf. I hadn't done anything with it. And my, my mentor or coach, and I firmly believe that everybody needs a mentor or coach, motivated me to finish that book. And so I finished that and got it published. And then right away, I decided to write a second book, which is called Make Your Banker Happy. Based on my experience in interacting with small business owners, I always ask them the question, do you know your banker? More often than not, they say no. Or if they say yes, and then I say, well, when was the last time you talked to your banker? And they haven't. Mm -hmm. And in order to be successful in business, I've learned that you have to have a good relationship with your banker. Yeah. And uh, in addition now to uh, authoring books, you've started your own uh, podcast, uh, just came out, uh, started recently. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the podcast is kind of fun. I'd never done one before, so it was a, a new experience for me. But I trademarked my podcast, Turning Complexity into Simplicity, which is kind of what I've always done, try to do in my business is to let's make it simple. It doesn't have to be as hard as it is. We can make it simpler. So let's let's work on that. So the podcast is based on that, turning complexity and simplicity and talking about business concepts and let's make them a lot easier than they are. Mm -hmm. Does that mean I get in trouble if I use those two words? In the, <laughs> it's, in the, it is the trademark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, one, one other thing before we get into the, uh, into the content here today is... Uh, now, uh, there's uh, a business in your blood. You have, I believe, uh, sons that are uh, in the business world. And, some, you know, one, I think, is, uh, you know, pretty prominent in uh, certain circles back east. Well, thanks for asking, Klaus. I appreciate that. Yeah, my oldest son is a professor of um, innovation and strategy at INSEAD, the International Business School in Paris. And he has a Ph.D. in strategy from Stanford University, and he's very successful. He's written four books uh, on innovation. And then my middle son's a naval architect, marine engineer uh, from a private school in Long Island. He's quite successful. And then my youngest son, the most successful of them all, a millionaire at 35, mm. uh, he ha has a computer engineering degree and has his own business in Boston. I see. Well, hey, well, uh, congratulations on that. Yeah. Yeah, well, getting you know, getting into our topic today. So, uh, in your forward in your book, uh, uh, which is titled again, "It's Not Hard, It's Business," uh, you mentioned that uh, having to work harder to make your business improve uh, really may not be the uh, right way of thinking. Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. It's uh, what I find with business owners oftentimes when they start out in their business, and or if they've been in business for a while and things aren't quite going as well as they would like they end up thinking, well, I'll just work harder. And they work harder and harder and they put more hours in and then they wonder why they're not getting the kind of results that they think they should get based on how hard they're working. And that's not always the solution. It's not necessary to work harder, but you have to work smarter. And in order to work smarter, you have to gain the skills necessary to be able to run your business. Many times business owners get into business because they're really good at something, mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily skilled at the other aspects of business, which are necessary in order to be successful and hard work alone won't do it. Yeah. And I, I find that too on, uh, you know, we're, you know, we cross over a little bit with our consulting, uh, but, uh, I'm more, you know, finance and accounting. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're more on the strategic side and, uh, the, you know, maybe the, you know, the bigger picture, the you know, long term thing. But um, often found that and I say this is that, you know, people 
get into business, they may know how to make a widget or sell something or do something. But you know, on uh, my side of things, uh, they don't know everything. And one of them is how to properly, you know, take care of their finances and especially uh, cash. So yeah, so point well, uh, point well taken. So uh, in your book, which covers ten uh, important areas, uh, we'll touch on a few of them today. Uh, you you begin by saying uh, the mindset is the foundation of all success. Uh, so why is this important to to be the first key? Excellent question, Clauser. I just I, stole it from you. So I, just <laughs> <laughs> I you know initially I thought it was uh, skill and talent that would be the key to success for any business owner. But as I've interacted with lots of business owners, I found that skills and talents, while necessary, they're not the key to success. It's our own mindset. And oftentimes I find that business owners are getting in their own way because of their mindset or their limiting beliefs that are preventing them from achieving the level of success that they could. I remember I had a client one time, he, was, he spent 20 minutes telling me why he was never gonna be successful. Now granted, this client, he and his wife already had a successful business, but he then spent 20 <laughs> minutes telling me why he would never be successful. And it was because of his father and all growing up and all these things. And I, he got done and I said, that's just total BS. And he looked at me and said, what? I said, that's just BS. He said, well, why? I said, it's like driving your car, looking in the rearview mirror. How successful is that going to be? It's not. You can't let the past control the future. You can let the past guide you, but don't let it control the future and determine the future. That's up to us. So mindset is critical that we have the right mindset moving forward to create the future that we want. And we, I firmly believe we can create the future that we want. Yeah. And so, uh, and maybe you're just beginning to touch on that. Uh, so what might be some difficulties someone would have if they don't have the right mindset or perspective as they, you know, begin or uh, maybe even if they've been in business for a while? Oftentimes it's, it usually has to do with the money is the most common one is they, they have a scarcity mentality rather than an abundance mentality. And I don't mean a an abundance mentality and that you should just go out and spend money like crazy, but they have a scarcity mentality and they're afraid to spend money. So that tends to be the number one problem that I run into. Mm -hmm. Other things are is that they tell themselves every day why they're not gonna be able to achieve what they wanna achieve. Every day the language they're telling themselves, the words they say to themselves are preventing them from achieving that success. So we have to be really careful on our own self-talk what we, say, what we say to ourselves, because that gets in the way of our success. So we, if we step back and we analyze our own self-talk, I think oftentimes we find that we're saying things to ourselves over and over and over again that came from the past, and then we begin believing it. And once we believe it, it's hard to change that. Yeah, do you, do you, have you worked with or found people who, in their minds, they've got, they can see themselves being really successful, but for whatever reason, they just see something, a hurdle or something that keeps them from being, being that person they yeah. see in their minds? Absolutely. What happens is our past, we all come with a past. We all come with a history. So we see the world through a set of lenses or a set of glasses that are based on our historical past. So we don't really see reality as it is. We see it as we are. And until we realize that we're letting the past determine what we see, we're going to continue on that path and continue that struggle. But once we realize that that it doesn't have to be our reality, we can create our own reality. Then we can get past that and then we can start 
having positive self-talk, talking to ourselves about how we're going to be successful. I always recommend to people that are struggling with mindset or struggling with limiting beliefs that they write down the positive opposite of what they're saying to themselves and then start repeating it. Write it down, put it on your mirror, repeat it every day or read it every day. Start reprogramming your mind for positive, Mm -hmm. not negative. Yeah, so uh, you have maybe an example of uh, something there? Well, the client that I mentioned, for example, perfectly perfect example of why he wasn't going to be successful. So we went back and we said, okay, so what are the things that you were, were told growing up that are actually causing you to think you're not going to be successful? Okay, let's write the opposite. So the antithesis of that, let's write the opposite of that. And we listed it down and then I made him commit to me that he would read it every single day. Uh, until he stopped believing that he was no longer to be successful. Mm-hmm. And actually ended up creating another business. <laughs> so now he has two businesses. <laughs> That's great. Both of them doing well. <laughs> hey, so uh, uh, you talk about being strategic, uh, having a strategy. Uh, you, su- you suggest people often confuse this with uh, vision and goal setting. So ex- uh, please explain how they differ. Uh, is it the chicken and the egg thing? Uh, in this territory. I've always been confused. Did the chicken come first or did the egg come first? But Not either sure. way, I always think we need, oftentimes I think people confuse strategy with vision and strategy is not vision. So let me explain what strategy is. And we can hire a strategy consultant to talk about strategy, but I like to keep it simple. You know, back to turning com- complexity into simplicity. Strategy is nothing more than finding a need, filling the need and collecting a check and then don't screw it up in the middle. But the first step is to find the need. And so how do you find the need? You go out and you talk to the, your customers, you talk to your potential clients, you find out what it is that they need right now, and then you organize your business to meet that need in the most efficient and effective way possible, and then you can collect a check. Now I think strategy is really critically important right now because we've just come through a pandemic where businesses were shut down. And I think that a lot of times, if we go back into business with the same strategy we had pre-COVID-19, it may not work anymore. So we need to rethink our strategy. And the best way to do that is to go talk to your customers and your clients and find out, is what they need the same thing that they need previously, pre-COVID-19, or is it something different? And then organize your business to meet that need. Now, strategy is different than vision, and that vision is once you've got a strategy, which is focused on meeting needs, the next step is vision. So where do you want to go in your company? Where do you want to be a year from now? Where do you want to be two years from now? Where do you want to be three years from now? I always recommend that you go out three years and say, what do you want your company to look like three years from now? What does that look like? And write that down and then work backwards. If you need to be there in three years, where do you need to be in two years? And then if you need to be there in two years, where do you need to be a year from now? And write that down. To me, that's a vision. Sort of sort of like saying, <clears throat> I want to go to the East Coast. Okay, well, where do I want to end up on the East Coast? I need to know that. That's a vision. Where do you want to end up in your business a year from now, two years from now, three years from now? So we have strategy, which is focused on meeting needs, right? We have vision on where the organization is going to go. And then we have goals. So in order to achieve the vision, Oftentimes, if we don't have goals to help us achieve it, two things happen. A, we say, oh, it's plenty. 
I got, I got plenty of time. It's a year out there, two years out there. Or B, it's so overwhelming, it's so big that we don't get started. So we need to chunk it down into smaller increments. And that's where goals come into place. And I like 90-day goals, where we chunk it down into 90-day goals. So what am I going to do in the next 90 days to move me closer to my one-year vision? And then write those things down. And then I would read those every day. Because <laughs> so, we have to put the power of the subconscious mind to help us achieve that. You know, a lot of times you can say, oh, well, here's my vision. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I've got goals. And then we never look at it again. And then we wonder why we don't achieve our vision. It's because we, we haven't taken the time to really envision what that looks like, create 90-day goals, and then read them every day because the power of the subconscious mind can help you achieve that which you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. But you gotta be proactive and put it to work. Yeah, so now have, with the pandemic uh, situation, have you uh, tightened in that three year to uh, maybe a lesser time? It's about be a year out. Yeah, I know, I was gonna say the, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. Five, the, the three years, now the uh, six month maybe. Uh, Absolutely, I mean, a lot of times, it used to be that consultants would say, well, let's, what's your 10 year plan? Well. 10 years is way too far. Our business environment is so dynamic today that 10 years is not, not realistic anymore. And now even five years might not be. So let's go three years. And even now after the pandemic, it's like, where do you want to be a year or six months from now? Mm -hmm. So let's, let's tighten it down so that we have something we can see that we can achieve. Yeah. So when you're talking to uh, your clients, uh, how difficult is it uh, to get them to, to, to think strategy and to... Um uh, you know, really, you know, flesh things out. You, do you find it's an easy thing that people want to do or, uh, or not? I find that a lot of businesses haven't really put a lot of thought into it, which, which is kind <laughs> of interesting because it's pretty critical to your success, especially when it comes to strategy, when you're trying to find the need, because there's not very businesses that will pay for a non-need. So it's pretty important to find the need first and then to create that vision. And what happens too is that even if a business has a strategy, and they have a vision. Oftentimes the owners or the executives have not articulated that strategy and that vision to everybody else in the organization. And what happens is that when you don't articulate it, you don't communicate it to everybody in the organization, then everybody else figures it out on their own. And it may not be where you wanna go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's important not only to, to be clear on the strategy and have a really well articulated vision and be talking about it frequently. I don't mean having a vision and putting it on the office wall and say, oh, we're good, we have a vision. Because mm -hmm. if nobody in the organization can tell me what that is when I walk in, then they don't know what it is. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, well, another uh, topic uh, dear, dearer to my heart is uh, you say that uh, numbers drive everything in your business. Uh, uh, do you find uh, this to be the case? Is it true that business, you know, the people you work with, are the numbers driving their business? More often than not, I end up spending a lot of time helping business owners understand their numbers because the number I firmly believe that the numbers do drive everything in your business because you're in business to make money. There are a lot of other reasons why you're in business, but the goal should be to make money because if you're not making money, you're not going to be in business. And I'm amazed at how few business owners understand the financial tools or instruments of their business. So they don't understand what I sometimes call the scoreboards. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, if you go to a sporting event, how do you know who's winning or losing the game? You look at the scoreboard, right? Mm -hmm. How do you know how many downs are left or how many yards you, and even the referees and the 
players are looking at the scoreboard to know how they're doing. Well, the scoreboards of your business are the P&L, balance sheet, and cash flow projection. And I'm amazed at how few business owners are actually paying close enough attention to the P&L, balance sheet, and cash flow projection. So it'd be like driving your car thinking you're doing 70, but you're actually doing 30. <laughs> or yeah. you think you had a full tank of gas and you actually had a quarter tank because you don't really know. Mm -hmm. You're just guessing. Back to the airplane analogy, when I mm -hmm. used to fly the airplane, in order to understand whether the airplane was doing well or not doing well, yeah. and I was gonna get to my destination was, I had to pay attention to the instruments, mm -hmm. the instruments on the dashboard. Well, it's the same in your business. The instruments of your business are the P&L, balance sheet, and cash flow projection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in, in uh, that regard, uh, what might be the leading indicators or measurements uh, on that morning dashboard uh, a business owner should have? Revenue, always number one. You know, what's your what's your daily revenue or what's your weekly revenue? What are you doing? What if you're a manufacturer, how many units did you ship that day or that week? Uh, so th those are important. What's your accounts receivable number? Paying attention to that. Those are critical uh, pieces of information on your dashboard. Revenue per employee, revenue per square foot. What are your expenses per square foot? What are your expenses per employee? Tracking that information on a on an ongoing basis helps you to keep the pulse on the business and so helps you to understand what the instruments are telling you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another another uh, kind of goes with it. Another area I find that businesses fail or lack in is uh, forecasting their cash, uh, creating a cash flow model. Uh, you say it's the only tool on the scorecard that uh, that's forward looking, uh, which is true. Uh, what's been your experience with uh, business and business owners in this area i mean do you find that people take the time to do these cash flow uh <laughs> oh clouser i wish it was different <laughs> more often than not when you ask a business owner are they doing a cash flow projection they say no yeah and i'm like well how do you know how well you're doing because the cash flow projection is how cash moves in and out of the business they're paying attention to their p l but Oftentimes they confuse net income with cash mm -hmm. and net income is not cash. It's only the theory of cash because it doesn't take into some count to some other critical things like debt service or owner's draws right. or dividends, things like that. So the cash flow projection actually tracks the movement of cash in and out of the business on a daily, weekly or monthly basis. And if you're not paying attention to your cash, um, it would be like kryptonite was the Superman. Mm -hmm. Eventually, it's going to kill you. Yeah. So you have to pay attention. I've, I'm surprised at how few business owners yeah, are doing I, cash flow projections. Because as you know, the PL and the balance sheet are lagging indicators. Right, exactly. They're, they're hist it's history. It's historical information. Yeah. So how do you know what's coming ahead? The cash flow projection is the only way. Well, and, and uh, to your point, uh, by the time someone gets a financial state, you know, the balance sheet and the income statement prepared, normally it's 30, uh, and this would probably be good in today's business, it's 30 days, uh, mm -hmm. you know, probably after an event in the prior month has happened, but most uh, companies I work with, uh, and I try to strive to get them out by the, uh, you know, 12th or 15th at the latest, but uh, even that's too late because by the time someone uh, gets those financial statements, the event that might cause you know, uh, you know, something detrimental is already a number of days down the pike, so you've missed the opportunity to address it, and then you've got the ongoing effects, and then uh, then you have to count that they're reliable. 
Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, so I did, matter of fact, I just had a coffee with a, a banker the other day, one of my bank banking friends, and we were discussing discussing these same things. Is uh, there might be a covenant in a financial relationship with the bank that requires a business to get their financial statements in. So then the bank has to beg for them. They're 60 days late, and once they get them, they're not <laughs> they're not in a place. That banker's not going to like you very much. <laughs> yeah. But you're so, absolutely right. It's the you know by the time you get the P&L balance sheet, it's three four weeks out, and you you're really good at what you do. And so you're trying to get them out as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times business owners aren't getting them for almost 30 days and lots happened in 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go back to on, uh, we, we really haven't talked about budgeting, but more forecasting here on cash, but, uh, and people who have listened to my podcast, uh, uh since we've been doing them, well, are probably, they're probably tired of this story, but you know, uh, when you ask someone to sit down to do a budget or a cash flow, uh, forecast, they fall down, like I've shot their dog or something. And, but at the same time, you ask that same person, hey, you taking a vacation? Yeah, I'm taking a vacation. We're going to here and we're going to stay there and it's going to cost us, you know, this much. I've paid for this. I've paid for that. We're leaving on this date and we're going to stay here. We're going to do this and that. The same enthusiasm as a business owner should be into that budgeting or cash flow. Right. Yeah. Abs what say you? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need to put a lot of energy into that budget, and then stick to the budget, and there, and then you can compare it to the to the actual. Use it as a comparison tool, and that's where the P and L and the balance sheet are really effective as comparison tools. Mm -hmm. Using them to compare to the previous month, the previous quarter, and the previous year, and how did you do? So you can see if you're making progress. Well. The balance, you know, doing a budget helps you forecast what you anticipate coming. But if you don't compare it to actual, it's probably a useless tool. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, it should be an ongoing, ref, you know, refining, yeah. redefining uh, process. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned uh, just a second ago uh, matrix. So, uh, uh, you know, I know uh, across industry, certain things that you'd be measuring or looking for differ. But how how important are metrics in in uh, you know, in operating a business? I like to do metrics because it takes the financial information to another level. I don't like to compare to in industry average when I'm looking at a business because it's average. I like to look at the best year that business has ever done. Ever done. What did they do? What were the actual metrics for that business? So what do I mean by that? So what are costs of goods sold as a percentage of, of revenue? track that on a on a monthly basis what was it the previous year what has it been historically track the line item expenses as a percentage of gross profit so what what is that percentage and then compare that to previous years or compare it to your best year ever and then start tracking that information i get had a great story with a, a client that was telling me that he was making more money the current year that he did the previous year but he had no in net income he wasn't no, there's nothing at the bottom line. He didn't understand why, even though he was making more money. So I did a metric on his cost of goods sold and found out that he was, his cost of goods sold was 12% more than it was the previous year. And he hadn't allocated for that. So right away he was 12% behind the eight ball and he didn't know that. So if we use metrics and we track those line item expenses, we can start to develop a trend and we can follow the trend line as we go through the year and compare it to the previous years and we can see how we're doing in comparison and we can help to ask better questions to make better decisions by understanding that information. So the trend can be your friend. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, so here in, uh, we're talking today and in, in one of your other books, uh, titled make your banker, make your bank happy. Uh, you talk about why it's imperative to have a good relationship with your banker. Uh, why is it critical? And do you have an example of when it hurt a business and, uh, two, maybe where it uh, really came in handy? It's even probably more critical now. And I think a lot of businesses have found that out as we came into this pandemic and we had the paycheck protection program and they went to their bank to, to see about borrowing money and the banker, they didn't know their banker. You know, they had an account there, but they didn't know their banker. So they didn't really have a relationship with that individual to help them work through it. Now, bankers want you to be successful. They want their clients to be successful. So it's critical to have a, a relationship with your banker and develop that before you need the bank, not after you need the bank. So I always ask my clients, do you, like I said earlier, do you know your banker? More often than not, they don't. And uh, if they do know their banker, they haven't communicated with them. We need to be communicating with our bankers on a more regular basis in order to build that relationship. Because if we have a good relationship, that bank can bank and banker can be in our court and can help us navigate difficult times when they come because business doesn't always go on an upward trajectory, right? Mm -hmm. Bad times will come and it's important to know your banker and have that relationship already established and then they can help us to navigate that. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, and I don't know how to describe this other than this example. It's almost like sometimes a business uh, owner uh, views the relationship with his lender like they do sometimes with, say, the IRS. They're, they operate in a fear of, I'm going to do something wrong that's going to cause trouble, or it, it may be like driving down the interstate when you see, you know, down to Pike, uh, a state trooper uh, timing cars. Most people will slow up, right? Okay, it, even when they're not doing, yeah, exactly. not doing it over <laughs> being over the speed limit. Right. Why do we do that? I, you know, it's a human uh, behavior, I guess. But really, what uh, my experience, and this is how I uh, coach my clients, is you really the bank wants. It's a partnership. I, yes, there's a contract. Yeah. I'm going to loan you money. You're going to pay me back, and mm -hmm. we're going to op, you know do this under this arrangement. But really, uh, your you know your banker wants wants to be your partner, so to speak, and they want to know what's going on. Uh, hey, you know, because they you know they don't like to loan money. I mean, even though they've charging interest for it, they don't like to loan money where it's not being used or utilized. And uh, it, the, those people. Uh, know a lot about what's going on in the world too so what uh... bankers understand business <laughs> they really do and if a banker's lent, lent you money um, he wants you to be or she wants you to be successful because bankers tend to be risk adverse mm -hmm. so they want to minimize their risk the more you communicate with your banker the, the more the quicker you give them financial information even preferably before they ask they're gonna love you as a client and if they love you as a client, they're gonna be more willing to help you. And especially when things don't go well. I had a friend of mine who he said, well, I did, why would I read your book? I don't, I don't need to borrow money. And then the pandemic came and she needed to apply for the paycheck protection money. She's like, oh shit, I should have got to know my banker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, because now it's too late. Because they're gonna focus, as many business owners found, they focus on their current customers that had a banking relationship with them, not new customers that were coming in the door saying, hey, I need to apply for paycheck protection money. 
do you do you have an account here? Do you bank here? No. Well, sorry, we can't help you. Yeah, and there was there were a lot of uh, relationship managers at banks that were really proactive for their mm -hmm. clients, and it's and it's because they're they're talking to their clients all the time. They've got a great relationship. Oh, There's right. uh, you know uh, you know you know just uh, keep short accounts. I mean, they know what's going on and well informed. So uh, speaking about the pandemic, so. Uh, How's this caused you to work uh, differently, or what approach are you taking with clients that are, uh, you know, obviously suffering through, uh, uh, you know, this time? And not, maybe not all clients are suffering, you know, because there are certain indus industry segments that are uh, continue to do well. That's an excellent question, and I think it's a matter of getting back to the fundamentals of business. If you were paying attention to the fundamentals when you got into this uh, situation, when we got into this financial uh, upheaval from the economic shutdown, you're probably going to weather the storm pretty well. But if you were not, then it's critical to get back and focus on the fundamentals of business. And even if you were doing well, it's time to reevaluate and make sure that things haven't changed so significantly that you have to rethink your whole business strategy. So what I tend to do is I get together with my clients and talk to them about what's was going well before, what's not going well now, and how do we navigate that? Do we really need to make a sharp right turn? Do we need to pivot or do we need to just make slight adjustments to what we were doing previously? But we have to take a look at it. We can't just assume business as usual. So let's step back, let's take a look at it. Let's talk about where we're at, what was going well, what wasn't going well, what we can do to improve those things that weren't going well, and how has the business environment changed? And has it changed significantly? And what will be the impact on your business? Now let's talk about what to do about that. Yeah, are you finding that, uh, you know, switching the other side of the desk, are you finding that you have clients asking you different types of questions? Or are they more intent about something maybe that they were maybe a little lackadaisical about prior? Typically, as you know, <laughs> people don't change until the pain to remain the same is greater than the pain to change. Businesses are the same way, but unfortunately, in both instances, it takes a crisis. So we've had a crisis. So now, when they thought maybe things were going well and they didn't need help, now they're saying, maybe I do need help. So I think that the, there's going to be a lot of businesses that are going to need some guidance to help navigate this uh, new course of action that they may need to take and thinking that they're going to keep doing the same thing they were doing and it's going to get them the end result they want may not be the case and hopefully they recognize that that they have to rethink how they were doing business mm -hmm. yeah i know uh the company i work for now cfo uh headquartered out of uh, salt lake we've uh, been doing a variety of things and helping uh, uh, existing and new clients uh, getting through this. And, you know, for us, we're, you know, really pushing budgeting and break-even analysis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a, a lot of businesses are going to have to redefine themselves. And so we're helping them, you know, what, what, you know what's it going to look like, you know, as I come out on the other side, you know, of this, the crisis we've been into. Well, the plane um, hasn't crashed. Yeah. No, 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 no. But we need to be getting back to what, what are the instruments saying? Yeah. What is our course? Of, are we on the right course? Or do we need to change course slightly or drastically moving forward before we do crash? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, so a question for you. So when you're working uh, with your clients, uh, what kind of approach do you take when getting started? Uh, for instance, uh, let's say I'm a business owner. I feel like I'm struggling or maybe I feel my business is successful, but I 
do not have everything in the bank to show you know my for my efforts so i get a hold of you you come out so how, how do you normally get engaged with a client typically i go through a, a number of key areas with a client i ask them what are they struggling with the most with of course that's the first thing what's your biggest struggle what's preventing you from achieving the level of success that you want to achieve in your business and let's talk about that so I kind of do like a, a scale. I say, so in other words, do you have a clear strategy for your business on a scale of one to five? Do you have a clear vision on where you're going? Are you setting goals? Do you have a good understanding of the, your financials? And do you pay attention to them regularly on a scale of one to five? Do you have processes and procedures in place? How about talent management? Are you managing that? That Are you operations? Are you paying attention to the operations? Are you getting key performance indicators? And I kind of go through this with them on one to five. And then, then when I say, well, where, where, where is the, the biggest need here? And it's not always, you can't do everything. So let's focus on the biggest need first. What's causing you the most grief first? Because what'll happen is, what'll happen is you can work on one area of the business and you can fix that, but oftentimes that's going to have an effect on other areas of the business as well. So you have to look at the whole. You can't just look at one piece and say, okay, we're going to fix the financial piece and work on that first without looking at everything else at the same time and saying, how is that going to affect this? Mm -hmm. And how is this going to be affected? Okay. Uh, and then, uh, with especially with the pand uh, pandemic going on, uh, any is there any like any shift in that? I mean, uh, uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of fear left in people. How do you, you know, how do you help them get kind of? Well, I don't have a one size fit all fits all. So I mean, each business is different. So I don't come in with a with a a square hole trying to shove the, the round peg through the square hole. So I, it's a, not a one size fits all. So every business is different. So let's focus on your business. What are the critical success factors for you in your business? And and how do we increase that and make that better? How do we streamline this, make it more efficient, uh, more effective? How do we get more cash flow? Can, is there a way to increase sales? Um, let's look at the whole business and then talk about working in on what the biggest need is first. Remember, mm -hmm. get back to you got to find the need, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, so uh, as we close today, um, uh, another book in your future? Actually, there's a couple books in my future. Uh, I'm currently working on one, uh, getting, which is essentially getting back to the fundamentals of business. And what motivated me to start writing that book is I have a colleague that was basically talking about the sky is falling, the sky is falling, business is never going to be the same. And I was like, no, I don't think so. I think there's going to be some shift in direction. But what really needs to happen is we have to get back to the fundamentals and pay attention to those fundamentals because they haven't really changed. Mm -hmm. Even though the environment's changed, the fundamentals have not changed. Yeah, and that, and I often say, you know, if a, a business owner, a company's doing the right things all the time, then they'll be able to weather storms and, you know, make more money. So the, the fundamental business principles that you should be operating from should be the same all the time. Absolutely. Not, not to say that you can't, don't have to tweak them, but... Uh, well, you know, we, we were got, economy was humming along pretty nicely before this pandemic happened. People were making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And when people make a lot of money, they kind of get complacent and they don't pay attention to the fundamentals like they should have been and so and then we hit a brick we were driving our car car at 80 miles an hour we hit a brick wall <laughs> yeah exactly well and that's that's some of the things we're finding uh as we help clients uh 
you know, we go through the cash forecasting like we were talking about or uh, doing the budgeting is we're finding out, to your point, that during good times, uh, companies got fat. So uh, they were, there was a lot of waste. And then they start nailing down, taking a look at their expenses and whatever, and, and they forget, oh, I subscribe to that or I'm doing that or, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, they, they you get this look in their eyes like, shoot you know exactly. you know i wish i and you can't get that money back so right. so yeah that's a good site so if people wish to find you how is the best way to contact you well they can go to gary fur at gary fur consulting that's gary g-a-r-y-f-u-r-r at gary uh, that's the easiest way to find me and if you go to my website there's all kinds of free information and and you can download the books and there's other essential um, business tools there that you can use and most of it's all free okay hey well gary it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today i know uh, from personal experience you have the best interest of your clients and really people in general in your heart uh, good luck on the next book and uh, remember too gary has a podcast titled taking complexity into simplicity uh, you can find Gary's podcast on iTunes and um, other platforms uh, out yeah. there. In the, on Web, the My website, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, if you sign up for to download my uh, information off my website, you can become part of my MailChimp account All right. as well. Very good. Hey, another question for before I go here. Uh, so if I'm in Dallas, Texas, and I, you sound like somebody that can really help me, uh, you, you're not just a Portland, Oregon type of guy. No, I'm not. I actually worked on a project for three years in China, uh, a turnaround project that uh, took three years to turn the business around, and then we ended up selling it for a lot of money. So I, I'm not, uh, I'm not stuck here just in Portland, Oregon. All right. I do. I like Portland. Yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. <laughs> hey, well, thanks for being with us today. Remember, you can find Clouser on Business on iTunes, TuneIn, Podbean, Stitcher, and always at Clouser on Business. Until next time, you've been listening to Clouser on Business.